You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. A good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest podcast here at VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane, awesome price. Rob Lewis and Brent Hubbs, $1 for one year. Take advantage, and no better time than right now coming off a big win over Florida. Tennessee 4-0, ranked number eight in the AP poll. So if you want to follow all of our coverage, $1 for one year at VolQuest.com. And, of course, always follow our work, VolQuest on YouTube as well. Guys, what a win for Tennessee. Sure, it got shaky towards the end, but Tennessee beats Florida. Snaps a five-game losing skid. Tennessee, another win heading into the bye week, Brent Hubs, where Tennessee can use this bye week after the fourth game of the season to get healthy and uh, head on out towards LSU for, wait for it, an 11 a.m. local time kick. Well, I mean, it's, you know, for Tennessee, it's a chance to get better. Uh, It's a chance to get healthy. And, um, you know, it's a chance to catch your breath a little bit and, and get ready for the next run. Austin's talked about this. He's right. This is a different October. It's a challenging October when you look at you've got Kentucky, Alabama, LSU in the month of October. But you also throw in that UT Martin. So you're not playing the gauntlet games that you played in the past, which is a benefit. But first and foremost, Tennessee's got to get some guys healthy. And then they've got to find obvious answers in the secondary. I mean, look, Hendon Hooker before we get into the secondary issues and defensive issues, what Hendon Hooker did on Saturday, and, and I mean, he was the most obvious choice for player of the week honors you've ever seen. Um, that's a, that's a performance that you will not see anytime soon. I don't think, I mean, you know, just what, what he did with the, on that stage uh, with everything riding on his shoulders, he was terrific. I mean, and he was good when I watched it live, he was even better upon rewatch. I mean, he was just in total command of the football game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, he was. He was fantastic. And again, he had 461 yards of offense himself. That's 80%. Now, again, AR on the other side had 86%, 515 yards or whatever himself. But in the hooker completed 78% of his passes. He ran for 112 yards. He was, I mean, he was marvelous. And again, this is something that um, I mentioned Saturday as well. 
Austin, Jabari Davis and Jack Jones, they spoke on the VFL Players Lounge on game day. This is the type of game to where it could be like a legacy game for Hendon Hooker, a game that people won't ever forget. I mean, I don't think Tennessee or I don't think Florida is going to win the Super Bowl this year by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a performance from Hendon Hooker that no one's going to forget anytime soon. No, no one forgets winning games like Florida and Georgia and Alabama. Nobody forgets the plays made in those games because one, in the last 20 years, they've not happened a whole lot. So you hang on to those moments, but two, just because it's such a big stage. And so, um, you know, Hendon Hooker balled out, you know, only the second ball to ever throw for 300 and rush for a hundred. And who knows, man, I'll be the first to go and pull the audio uh, if he does it, you know, in, you know, 10 days or so at LSU and go, this is what Brent said last week. Won't happen again for a long time. And it just happened again. Yeah. I mean, like, and you never know. Cause I mean, he's going to throw for near 300 in about any game. He may not get 300, but you know, it's that rushing stat that, that changed the whole dynamic of that Florida game, his ability to make plays with his legs. He's not Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs was freak of nature, but Hendon can make that play with his legs all day and all night, um, you know, and so, you know, they, they just continue to, to build the offense around him and, you know, credit to Ramel Keaton for stepping up, credit to, you know, Jabari Small for running hard in the second half. I mean, he got to 90 yards. And so, I mean, Tennessee goes over 200 yards rushing against the Gators and, of course, throws for 349. Well, and, and the thing about that performance, Rob, is that Tennessee needed every yard Hendon Hooker got. I mean, they, they needed – they needed everything that they had. It wasn't like normally when you throw for 300 and you run for 100, you probably win pretty comfortably. Uh, but I mean, Tennessee needed everything because they couldn't get a defensive stop except for the one fumble. So um, every time Hendon Hooker went out onto the field to start a drive, they had to score, and that's that's the way that game felt the whole game, the whole time, Rob. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, Hubbard, you said it. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna forget that one. I mean, I, you know, we got kind of recency bias. I guess you know, since it just happened, but man, I mean, that, that was big time. I mean, it was it was as good as I've seen from from a Tennessee quarterback. I mean, you go back and you look at the stats when Tennessee won in 2016. Josh Dobbs had a huge day. He threw for 319 yards and four touchdowns. But he also threw two interceptions, and he was 16 to 32 passing. Whereas Hendon was 22 to 28. I mean, he was just he was a surgeon, and it was. You know, I mean, t- Tennessee has, has lost this. Like Eric said, Florida's not going to win the Super Bowl, but Tennessee's lost some Florida teams that were, were no better than this one, you know, in the last 18 years. And they they don't get over the hook, the hump without Hooker. It just doesn't happen. Brent, uh, you had Hendon Hooker that got off to a good start. And, again, it's not like <laughs> it's so weird because his numbers going into this game have been great on the season, but – as as we pointed out that you know to start the first couple of series of the Ball State game of Pittsburgh and uh, of Akron he wasn't too sharp he started this game five of seven and looked really really good um, his running ability some of those design runs flushing the pocket just taking off and and you and I talked about this on the rewind man that that um, that run he had a forty four when he looked to be just dead in the water sacked and then he gets in front of him and give Princeton fan a lot of credit he noticed that he was taken off and he a dead sprint to a defender, lining that blocker up, getting to the outside, huge play in the football game. He just kind of had that it factor, and we've seen it before. But, I mean, again, sold out college game day checkerboard. I mean, the stage was set, and he he absolutely delivered. Well, the the third and ten play on the 99-yard drive coming off the goal line was to play the football game. 
Yeah. Because if you don't make that play there, Florida's going to get the football back at midfield if they don't block your punt in the end zone. They're, they're going to go into the locker room with at least a four-point lead, if not a, a seven- or ten-point lead or 11-point lead, depending on how they finish that drive. He make, I mean, they have a free rusher. Jabari Small misses him on pass protection. And Hendon Hooker has the, um, the, the eyes and the immediate presence to sidestep left, throw back across to the middle of the field to Princeton Fant for a first down. The next play is the Ramel Keaton play, and end you're off and running, and, and you score, and you take all the momentum. The third and 10 play, coaches talk about it all the time. Three or four plays make the difference. Rob Lewis, that plays the difference in the football game. And let's not forget, Billy Napier also called a timeout before that play, which in hindsight was huge. I think, it was. I think, like, I think there was a minute, minute 23 left, minute roughly. But Heupel was was going to be very content to let the, let the clock run down and, and go into halftime, you know, in that situation. And, and I'm not – you know, I, I would have called a timeout had I been Billy Napier. I'm just saying, had he not done that, Tennessee, I mean, what they score with seven seconds left when, yeah, when yeah. Hit, hit Brew. I mean, without that Florida timeout, that, that doesn't happen. I mean, you're, you're looking at a field goal or, or the drive is just different. I mean, you're having to rush and, and not be as methodical as they were able to be because they had three timeouts left. But, and that throw to Hendon or uh, the, the Brew from Hendon was a heck of a throw, you know. I, I, you know, when you think about the window that he had to, you know, throw into on the run, brew moving the same exact direction, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, he I mean, get he, it over a backer or a, a sitting star, whoever that was, he had to get it over that guy and then pass the guy that was in man coverage back there at the back of the end zone. Uh, a fantastic play. Also, I thought Tennessee and Alex Golish and Heupel and, and and Hooker did a really good job of, you know, Cedric Tillman wasn't in this football game. You know, Brew got the the majority of the targets. You know, he he got his hundred yards. He got a touchdown. I thought Jalen Hyatt played well. They could have went to him a little bit more, but I thought he played very well. But you get you you had five receptions go towards Princeton fan. You had three to Ramel Keaton. You had three to Jabari Small. Uh, you threw the ball three times or twice to Jacob Warren. He had a big long gain. I think Tennessee did a nice job of spreading it out, not just channeling in on one guy that's not Cedric Tillman. Say Brew McCoy getting fourteen targets. They spread the wealth, and those guys stepped up to give them credit. And and like Romel Keaton, Jabari Small, Princeton fan, they stepped up when they needed to. I know fan had the fumble, but again, he he made up for it. Yeah, they still can't have those kind of mistakes, though. Whether it's there at the end trying to run the clock out, you know, we we had this debate on the locker room the other night. You know, you know, Tennessee's kind of got that double edged sword, right? Right, Hubs. Like you you got to learn to finish it out, put it in slow motion, bleed the clock. But it really kind of throws them into a whirlwind when they do that. Because I think if Tennessee had just kept playing offense, and I honestly think that's why Napier went for two, because it was a it was an eleven point game. He went for two because I don't think he thought he could stop them, and I think he thought I'm going to have to get an onside kick at some point. And so I think he felt like if I go for two, get it down to nine, they go down and score. It's expect sixteen. It's still a two possession game. So if I go down and score, and then you know, time runs out when the and, the and the the alarm goes off. You know, we got a chance to get the uh, the, the onside kick before that happens. So I I just felt like, you know, they've got some mistakes they've got to clear up. Whether it's learning to close out a game, holding on to the football, Princeton Fant running the the route to the sticks there on that fourth and was it fourth or third was it third and three, fourth and three, whatever it was. Fourth there. and three. Fourth and three. Um, you know, when they were trying to close out the game, little things like that. They've got to just clean up. I mean, these are simple mistakes you can fix, you know, that 
at least on the offensive side. Yeah, I, over, I'll say this too. Right. That would have been what a that would have been a lengthy field goal for Chase McGrath. I, I saw a lot of people asking, "And why don't you get the field goal? Why don't you get the field goal?" The field goal he made it at Pittsburgh. Hats off, job well done. But he's not had a whole lot of success forty five yards plus in his Tennessee career. He's been really almost automatic within forty five yards. But that would have been a lengthy field goal there for Chase McGrath. Yeah, he's two of six in his Tennessee career from forty five plus. And so you're thirty, you're a thirty percent make there. Probably like your chances of better converting a fourth down there than you do, or, or just as much as you do him making that. I, I, on that play, I, I've looked at it multiple times. I don't know if Fant was supposed to be a decoy because Brew McCoy's behind him, kind of in a second level, and he's open. I don't know if Hendon Hooker didn't feel like the window was big enough for him to throw the ball back there to McCoy, who was coming across. It, either way, that ball to me has to be thrown to the sticks. Whether I mean, if you're going to throw it to Fant. He's got to run a deeper route, or you've got to for, you've got to throw that ball to Brew McCoy there. Um, it's fourth down. If it's incomplete, it's their ball anyway. So um, that that play did not go well. I did not particularly like the third down play. I would have liked to have seen them, Rob, get on the edge a little bit. Um, I guess they didn't feel comfortable with with Hendon Hooker pulling his own read there with with his shoulder situation. But um, I, I I get making Billy Napier call the last time out, but Rob, I don't think they were. They could have been more creative in their run game there to, to try to figure out a way to make a first down. And they need to practice they need to practice a couple of periods on the practice field where they don't where the play clock is where they're trying to use the play clock to their favor because they look like they had never seen four minute they offense. Like they, they look like they had, they struggled to understand what a running what an expiring play clock meant, Rob. Well, yeah, I mean I mean I think it is weird for them when they're trying to, you know, snap it in, in seven seconds, you know, after the the you know the, the last play goes dead. I mean, I, I think it really is just a, a shift of gears, and it's kind of tough to do. And they don't look good doing it. But I'm yeah. This this open week, I would I would spend a couple of periods on, on you know slowing it down and and, and milking milking the play clock. I mean, I, I didn't have a huge problem with with how it ended, just because I mean, I thought Heupel was aggressive. You know, he 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 did, he did throw it on fourth down where a lot of coaches would have been, you know, just. J- jab something up the middle to make you know try and make sure you don't turn the ball over make sure you don't intercept it but um it was, it was there was a lot more drama in the last couple of minutes of that thing than, than there needed to be and i mean every team worth their salt they they practice situational football right i mean you, you practice third and long you practice third and short defensively fourth and short fourth and long uh you practice in midfield you practice your two minute and, and teams practice their four minute offense which is slowing it down, killing the clock, running the football, picking up first down. But when you don't get to do that in live action a whole lot, you you look kind of like what Tennessee did on Saturday, just kind of a a, a weird 180 of what their offense truly is. And so I, I get it. I get it. But, now, but, but, Hey, give, give them credit. They made a first down. I mean, they got the ball with almost five minutes to play. They made a first down and bled that thing down in, inside inside two minutes when Florida got it back. My issue with it is Austin. It just looked helter skelter, like that. It was almost a delay game penalty every snap. It was we don't know when to come out of the huddle because we really don't know what we do when we huddle. And it was like, okay, when do we send the play in? When do we not send the play in? It was just, it felt uncomfortable. It felt like that team was uncomfortable, as Rob said. The execution part on the first part of that drive was fantastic. I mean, they ran for a first down. You know, they were physical up front, did exactly what you wanted to do. They just couldn't get that second, third, first down, those last three yards to take a knee and, and end that thing and, and eliminate all that drama. 
Yeah, it, it, you talk about it being awkward. It's like the scene in Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby doesn't know what to do with his hands. Like, I don't know what to do. They're like, just not in that position. Like, like I, 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 I thought they did a better job Saturday than they did at points a year ago. But I, there's still just so, so much uncertainty with trying to do that. It's just very awkward. I, I, awkward's the best word. You said it best. Like, it's it it's just it's not even ugly. It's just awkward. It's like they're just, it's like, are we doing this right? Like you know, it it's just very strange. Either way, you know, Tennessee is four zero. They're sitting there going into a bye week, trying to get healthy. Got to get rest up. Hendon Hooker's shoulder. Got to get you know, Cedric Tillman coming back off that ankle surgery. Um, you know that he had middle of last week, and head down to LSU for. Uh, for a game with, with an LSU team that, you know, will be looking to try to get a win, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they had that kind of goof up loss to Florida state, but other than that, they've not lost yet. So, you know, you know, they've only lost the one time. So it's not like they're playing terrible, terrible football. They're just not pretty football. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to remember Tennessee got the win, no matter what Tennessee beat Florida. Okay. Tennessee's four and Tennessee's the top 10 team not taking anything away from it, but of course, you know, we got, we got to talk about the defense. That's, that's doing our job. If, if Josh Heupel was aggressive, you know, play calling on, uh, on Saturday, then, then Billy Napier, I don't, I don't know what you call that. His game plan was to run the was to try to run the football was to, uh, you know, take drives away from Tennessee, keep the football out of Tennessee's hands, going forward on fourth down continuously elected to go for it in two point conversions. Like we've, like we've already mentioned, Florida was five of six on fourth down conversions, which is not a great stat for Tennessee's defense. Um, problems in the secondary. You know, we, we, we continue to talk about that. Uh, a lot of zone on Saturday, a lot of cushions, a lot of room for Anthony Richardson to throw that football in there. Only a couple of times I felt like he really fitted in there through a tight window. And AR played great. I mean, he did. He, he had a hell of a ball game, his best game of his career, bar none. Um, but Tennessee's secondary helped them out an awful lot. Missed so many tackles. I think Tennessee obviously has some problems at cornerback, still a little slow at safety. I didn't think the linebackers helped them out out in zone whatsoever. Brent Hubs, it was it was just ugly, especially in that fourth quarter when Tennessee was leading by 17 points and Tennessee was leading by 11 points with what a little over a minute and a half to go, whatever whatever it was, and then ultimately it came down to the wire. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you got to get a stop. You, you, you've got all of these third and longs opportunities to get off the field. Tennessee didn't capitalize on any of it. When you look at the nine uh, third down and nine yard plus plays that Florida had. Uh, when you count in their fourth down conversions, they converted seven of those nine. Four of them were on third down, and then they got three more uh, on fourth down because they gained so much on third down, they put themselves in a situation to go for it on fourth down. If you just say going into that game that 70%, close to 70% of Florida's third down plays, Rob, were going to be third and long, Tim Banks would have taken that every day of the week. They just were a disaster on third and long defensively. Yeah, I mean, awful. I mean, we've everybody's talked about it, everybody's written about it, but Anthony Richardson had – I remember seeing something that he had set a career high in passing yards in the second quarter with 207, and then ends up with 453 passing yards for a guy that's never even thrown for 220 in a game before. And, I, and, and I'm – I, I hate to pile on or, or be like some people who, you know, gripe and complain after after a win. But if Tennessee's going to win any more like that, I mean, they've got to get better in the secondary. I mean, I just 
I, I was astounded at how, how bad they were on the back end on Saturday. Because it's not like – I don't think any of those Florida receivers – I don't think you're going to hear um, the NFL calling their name early in, in the first round of the upcoming draft. I mean, it's not like you got smoked by, you know, Rodell Anthony and I, and I Killiard there for, for all, you, all you young kids in the audience. I mean, yeah, Florida's had much better receivers in recent memory than what they threw out there on Saturday. In fact, I mean, coming into the game, Florida was, and granted, a lot of that was due to the struggles of Anthony Richardson and how they just couldn't throw the football whatsoever. But, I mean, those numbers for those Florida receivers were just pathetic, right? Pedestrian. Yeah, and so um, so, 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 what do you do, Austin Price? You have an off week. It's not like you're going to fix every mistake here in this off week, this bye week. Uh, something Brent Hubbs brought up on the Rewind and on the mini podcast, maybe taking a guy that has no shot whatsoever playing at safety this year, give him some reps at cornerback just to build some more depth, create some competitions like a potentially a Danico Slaughter. You'd like to get a D. Williams healthy. Warren Burrell has been out. You want to get him back into the fold. Um, you know, what do you do on this off week to try to rectify some of those mistakes and, and, and try to put your best foot forward for the long haul of the season? Don't play so much pad. Don't, I mean, I, I think it's more about scheme and how they play than who is playing. I mean, you're, I don't think there's enough bodies. There's not going to be enough change. I, I have no faith in them to go out there and change a bunch of bodies around. And so Agree. <laughs> I'll just stick with they've got to, you know, it, how many times did I joke in the press box? Okay, it's third and 11, guys. They can get a first down at the 45. They're going to go to the 46, turn around, catch the ball, and, and get tackled one yard past the sticks. And it happened over and over and over again. And that I think that's more scheme than anything, anything else. Or, you know, kids not, you know, or giving too much pad. I think that's what they've got to change in the bye week more so than personnel. Because I don't think there's going to be enough – there's not enough different personnel to change all that stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, 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 think it's I would agree, be- Brent. I, th- I think that giving too much pad, too, too much cushion is something that you know, we've talked about going back to the Pittsburgh game. Well, I think, Rob, you got to decide what you're going to be, all right? I mean, th- th- look, are you are you taking a chance on giving up a big play if you blitz a bunch of linebackers? Yes. But but you're also, you know, death by a thousand butter knife cuts if you keep playing zone with those guys too, right? I mean, like, w- which is the better chance of you making a play right now if you're if you're Tim Banks trying to figure out what to do on third down? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an answer, but, I mean, I'm just – I don't think you can overstate it enough. I mean, that's, that's a long way from the best offense you're going to see the rest of the way and a long way from the best quarterback you're going to see the rest of the way. I mean, if you, you've got to tighten some stuff up or, I mean, I mean, Tennessee better keep averaging 50 points a game or you know, they'll lose three if they play defense like that. For the rest of the, I mean, it's, I, AP, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if it's personnel or not, but you just, what, what you saw on Saturday is you're not going to win football games against good teams in this league playing like that in the back end. No, um, you know, I mean, luckily, you know, you look at the rest of your schedule. LSU's, you know, they're okay. Kentucky offensively, I mean, Levis can can throw it, but I mean, he he makes his fair share of mistakes too. Uh, well, so did Anthony and Richardson thing. before Saturday. No, no, I'm with you. But if Tennessee can consistently stop the run like they've been doing, even the best team that throws the football is is you know you're going to become one dimensional in, in certain aspects, and so like that to me, that's the thing. If Tennessee's going to play in the back end like they played Saturday, 
their run defense better be just just a bunch of, of, of dudes the rest of the way. They and the rookie defense was, to go was the pretty other good there and, and be, you know, leaking from both ends. Like, well, you know, I, I, I tell you what, if, if, I'm, if I'm looking at Tennessee, I'm not even worried about running the football. I mean, I, I, might, I might run it every now and then, but, I mean, at, at points that looked like a bad seven-on-seven team out there yep. trying to play defense. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm Will Levis in Kentucky, I'm going to throw it 60 times because I got a lot better chance of winning throwing it 60 times than I do throwing it 30 times and, and running it 20. I mean, I mean, why waste your time with that? That's why I'm saying Tennessee's got to figure out, A, personnel, which I'm with you, Austin. I don't know how many options there are back there. And B, if you don't have a, and even if you do make some personnel change, I think you got to go get them. I think you got to play sick them. And I understand what they were doing on third and long. The idea would be, hey, we're going to not let Anthony Richardson run around like Matt Corral did a year ago, Eric. We're going to make him make skilled throws. The problem is, you were so soft in the back end, there was no skill required to make those throws. He didn't make five throws, maybe six throws in the game where you go, man. That's a really good throw. The rest of them were lots of quarterbacks are completing that ball because there's a 10 yard cushion in front yeah. of the receiver and behind the receiver. There was one point in time where Aaron Beasley was, you know, dropping zone playing underneath. Uh, I think it was a dig coming behind him, and, uh, you know, they complete the pass over his head. And I think it was McCullough was like you know, seven yards away. And he turned around and was like, dude, you come up, help me out here. And like, I mean, they're, they got to figure that out. I just think at the end of the day, they need to go back to what they did against Pittsburgh. I mean, they they got after it against Pittsburgh. That was it's a young season, but that was Tennessee's defense. Obviously, I'm at its best, and you, you saw second. That's harder to do with a running quarterback, and that's yeah. that's the concern because if you bust a run lane when you're playing man and your DBs are running, you know, with the receiver and everybody's blitzing, then that's a forty or fifty yard run. And I think Tennessee was more concerned about Richardson running with his legs, 40, 50 yard play, 30 yard run and man coverage that they thought we get him in third and long, we're going to make him make skilled throws. They just didn't execute the part of forcing the skill throw on third and nine. I mean, first and second down went exactly according to script, what you wanted. Your third down stuff was a lot of what we saw a year ago. Can't get off the field on third and long. John Chavis was there at the game Saturday. And I just kept help, but I couldn't help but think that he was sitting there in the stands going, ha, wasn't just me. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I mean, it was, it was Brent's right. First and second down, they, how many times did they play first and second down perfectly? Perfectly. And then the third down, it was just like uh, the bad seven on seven team reference that Hubs made is uh, pretty spot on. In the confidence was, Florida had on fourth and two, on fourth and three, to take a shot and yeah. complete that shot. <laughs> the throw, the deep vertical. Because they felt like that was their better option than yeah. to try to run it into the line of scrimmage against the run. They felt more comfortable throwing a 20-yard out or a 7-yard out or a 30-yard takeoff than they did lining up and running. Six of Florida's eight third-down plays to start the game were third and nine or more. Six of the first eight. I mean – that, that plan was going according to script, except for third down. And they've got to figure out an answer on third down of whether you're going to blitz the quarterback and come at him like crazy on third and long, 
or if you're going to play coverage, you better figure out how to play coverage on the back end because they couldn't play it on Saturday. And like you said, Brent, too, even against a mobile quarterback, you if you have a free man up in the back end, if you're blitzing, you play pirate, you know, with the spy. It's, I mean, you know, Will Levis, AR, you know, Jade Daniels, whoever can just make one one move and get by Trayvon Flowers or whoever that spy might be. So it's 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 harder, it's easier said than done for sure. Rob. The defense is all tied together, don't get me wrong. But your thoughts, and a lot of this is with the rush defense too, but um, thoughts on Tennessee's defensive line. They rotate. They play 12 guys. Rodney Gardner's playing a lot of guys. I thought points in times Elijah Simmons and Bryson Eason played well. Amari Thomas had, uh, you know, I, I read in Brent's 10 things I think I think, and I, I agree with it. I think Amari Thomas might have had his best game against Pittsburgh, and then I think he had a better game against Florida uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, it's all tied in. You want to be able to get there with four, but Tennessee's defensive line, I would say, is a pre- pleasant surprise. Yeah, I thought the front seven, as far as the run game goes, you know, showed up, played well. Florida averaged just over three yards a carry. Um, you know, they did what they talked about all week long. I mean, for the most part, they, they they kept Richardson bottled up. He didn't really kill them with their legs. And you mentioned Amari Thomas. I don't <laughs> Did you run across this one yesterday in the snap counts? They get, we, we talked last week about how you just can't play him that much. You just can't play him that much. He played 64, 64 snaps on Saturday, which is – we talked all preseason about how they're not going to have a guy that plays Matthew Butler-type numbers. And, you know, lo and behold, here we are one month into the season. That's exactly what Omari Thomas is doing. But ground, ground game-wise, I, I mean, I thought Tennessee showed up and won the line of scrimmage in, in terms of, you know, Florida had a re- really tough time running the football. But – I mean, when you throw for 450, that just kind of that kind of negates everything that everything else you've done up front. Yeah, I, I think this Austin. I mean, look, they're not great up front. They're not the most talented group up front. They've got shortcomings, but give Rodney Garner credit. He's finding a way to get 15 to 20 snaps out of Bryson Eason and 15, 20 snaps out of Elijah Simmons, and, and enough snaps along the way there with guys putting them in a position that they're going to play to their strength, not putting them in a position where it's not, you know, conducive for them to be on the field. I think he's done a really good job. I mean, a really good job. My only criticism of Rodney Garner right now would be let's play some more Joshua Josephs. He's proven to me that he can play. He showed up in every game he's played in, including the Florida game. You're looking for some help on third down to defend the pass. Let's, let's see 19 in that, in that pass rush. Um, speed package or whatever there is, because I, I think he is a guy who can help them down the back half of the season. But I, I think what Rodney Garner's getting out of that group up front's pretty good, pretty good work from a veteran football coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah who I think played pre- pretty well the other day that we haven't talked about much is Latrell Bumpus. I thought he, I thought he showed up. Yeah, bump, quite a bump. bit. And then Dominic Bailey played, you know, a handful of snaps. You know. I'm with, I'm with you guys. I think the biggest thing is that the more you do what you did Saturday and the more success they have, the more confidence kind of gets into that group. So for Bryce and Eason, 15 snaps turns into 20, 20 turns into 25, because when you can have some success, it kind of breeds more and more and more. And so I, I think that's the biggest thing for this group is just can you cont- continue to play at a high level? Um, you know, DJ Terry got home, got a sack once, you know, Obviously, as Hub said, you know, Joshua Josephs looks like he needs to be playing more. Um, we'll see if Hubs can get that done during the bye week. Um, you know, but, you know, this is a, a defensive line that obviously is, you know, carrying itself um, with a certain bit of confidence right now. 
Well, you've already made that. You've already put the wheels in motion for Joshua Josephs to play in four AP. I don't have to make. I don't have to do anything over there. Yeah, that's I beat, all, I beat, that's I all beat, you. Y'all know you time. got I me. You got good. me. I know you got me. Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> you look elsewhere around the conference on Saturday. Of course, Tennessee has an off week coming up. LSU in two weeks. LSU will travel to Auburn this upcoming weekend, but. A lot of snoozers. Of course, A&M and Arkansas came down to, to the wire, 23-21 A&M over Arkansas. That's an SEC team that's out of the top ten now. Georgia slept through Kent State for the most part, 39-22. And now in Alabama, of course, rolled over Vanderbilt. Kentucky, a little closer than comfort, obviously. Uh, Kentucky's still a top ten team this week, but 31-23 over Northern Illinois. Um, Ole Miss, Tulsa's got a good offense, but Ole Miss gets about 35-27. Any big takeaways from the SEC, Austin Price? Well, but Kentucky Kentucky is this weird team that, against really good competition, they play well. They play above their heads. When they play down, they play down to their opponent. I mean, you look at they, you know, Chattanooga pushed them last year deep into the fourth quarter. Their Northern Illinois is sitting there, one possession game deep into the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I know Northern Illinois scored a touchdown with a, you know, a couple minutes to go, but you should be beating Northern Illinois more than 14 anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, like, uh, it, they're, they're, they're a strange team. No one knows about Ole Miss. What is Ole Miss? Like, you know, they pounded Georgia Tech, but that's a team that quit. I mean, Jeff Collins got fired. Everybody knew that was coming. Like, what, what is Ole Miss? I think you find out a lot this week. You know, Chris Lowe said this when we were on The Nation the other night. This week's a real barometer game for L- Ole Miss and Kentucky, you know, to kind of see who's got what, unless it's just kind of two, two above-average teams kind of going at each other and they play fairly even. But, I, you know, the game's in Oxford. Ole Miss is, is a four-point favorite right now. You know, we'll see, uh, you know, see what, what how much that line moves now between now and Saturday. But, you know, that, that's the game I'm really kind of watching in the league Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the most – I mean, that's the best best game to watch. And that's an early start. We'll see who handles that the best. Rob, I'm I'm surprised. I mean, if you just said in the preseason at the end of September, Tennessee was going to be a top-10 team, I probably wouldn't believe that. After no. seeing After seeing – I know. After seeing Kentucky through the first month at, at this point – I'm surprised they're they're the darling they are right now. I'm, I mean, I'm it, with you. you know, I, I'm not saying they're a bad team, but are, are nope. they really a top seven, top eight team, given their resume right now, what they've gotten accomplished? Well, I don't think so. And I, obviously, like AP just pointed out, Las Vegas doesn't think so if they're a four-point underdog at, um, at Ole Miss. And I tell you, the one thing that's – not one thing, but something that just, you know, rolling around, reading a lot of stuff – um, yesterday and this morning jumps out about Kentucky. Sixteen sacks given up in four games. Yeah, they're all like, trash. It's not like they played a murderer's row either. Oh. I mean, they played. You know, Florida is the only SEC game they played, and Levis has gone down sixteen times. It, that's I don't know. A, AP, you're a lot better at math than me, but that, you're get, you're on pace for about fifty for, yeah. the, for the season at that rate. Yeah, their O line, even with that, with with, with Rodriguez coming back. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that they're just going to magically become good because their running back came back. I mean, you know, maybe they run the ball fractionally better with him, but, you know, they still can't protect. They're struggling uh, on the front, and that's a recipe for disaster when you play Georgia later. You, you're you not getting to Atlanta with that type of offensive line play, in my opinion. And and I know some of those Kentucky fans have big dreams up there, um, but it's just not going to happen. The, the other thing that stood out to me, Eric, when you look at the SEC and you've seen this in college football is 
I just don't know. I don't know how much a head coach should be trusting kickers right now. Um, and I don't know what, I mean, I don't know why that's the case. I mean, kickers have, you know, kickers are kickers. They, I mean, they're not, not going to make all of them. But, I mean, Missouri takes two knees to kick a chip shot and misses. And then they, they don't even that's try so one. I so mean, bad. you know, and, and the Arkansas thing, I mean, it, you know, that was a that was a crazy kick. You don't, you don't ever see that thing. But you've just seen a lot of games come down where teams are setting up like they milk the clock to take that kick. And the kick doesn't work out. I mean, we saw that in what the the NC State game at the start of the year against East Carolina. Um, I, I think if you're a head coach, that you you probably just keep being aggressive and, and try to score a touchdown as opposed to centering it up for a kicker right now. Because um, you, around the country, you're just seeing a lot of missed kicks. It seems like game winning kicks, a lot of pressure pack kicks, doesn't seem to be getting executed particularly well. Yeah, kickers, they're a weird breed. They always have been. They always will be. Um, and maybe a lot of it's just because we covered Tennessee and we're seeing, you know, the other side of it from going against the Vols. But, I mean, coaches are being more aggressive. There's a lot. I mean, four-down territory, it's expanded a lot over the last couple of seasons, if you really think about it. A lot of teams are being aggressive and going for it on fourth down. Um, you know, it, it it's just special teams can be such a weapon for you. And, and this is not just, obviously, a field goal kicker, but – a punt operation team, you know, right now, Tennessee doesn't have a good one, but Hey, they didn't get tested the other day. So that's good. Um, just be, the ability to flip the field and to, to really play in your hands. And um, some teams are really, really good at it. Other teams are, are not good at it. And I think that it affects how they play late in the ball game. I mean, that's, I mean, that Auburn Missouri game, I don't know what we did to deserve that game. I mean, goodness gracious, that was pathetic. <laughs> it's kind of the tee off to, to Tennessee and Florida. Goodness gracious. But hopefully there'll be some better games this week and obviously Tennessee and LSU in two weeks. And, and what a benefit for Tennessee to play that game at noon. I know you mentioned yeah. it right off the top. But, I mean, Rob, you've seen it down there also. Ooh, you've been down noon there. noon of 11 a.m. We're talking right. local time, baby. I start, you're right. But, I we mean, got the pancakes, the waffles, we got syrup. Eggs and eggs. We got beignets in the press box. The whole deal. I mean, LSU people, Rob, are just, beside. Oh, I'm sure, beside themselves at this point. They, what it, a benefit for Tennessee. It's, it's a morning practice team. Ooh, AP with a, with a nice pull there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure LSU fans are just disgusted. With with that move, and I'm surprised myself, man. I I thought that it was it was a little more marquee than that. I thought two thirty local time was going to be a huge win, Rob. Eleven a.m. <laughs> I, I mean, just, it's set up for Tennessee. It, it couldn't be set up any better for Tennessee. No, I mean it's I mean LSU's it's it's not just you know a media ploy that that's a really hard place to play at night. I mean it is a really hard place to play at night, and I. I mean, I, I bet Josh Happel was giving high fives in the office this morning when he saw that thing come across. A lot of time in New Orleans for me and AP to hang out. So, come by and say hello. We're going to be killing time. But that's in two weeks. Obviously, Tennessee has got an off week this week to get healthy and to, you know, clean up some things. But at the end of the day, Tennessee is 4-0 and through four weeks of the season, and it's a top-10 team. I mean, think about it. Uh, 20 months ago, couldn't even fathom that being a thing, but here you are. So, challenge gets a little bit steeper throughout uh, the rest of the season, of course. But uh, Tennessee will be there, and we'll be there. VolQuest.com, plenty of coverage, even on an off week. So much coverage of VolQuest.com, plenty of tidbits from the recruiting weekend. We got stories, we got videos, all that and more. VolQuest.com, one dollar for one year. Take advantage of it to like and subscribe. Follow us on YouTube as well by searching VolQuest for Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to the Vault Quest podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody.
You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.